Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 10. About a year into the process of church planting, uh, an Someone that was about to go plant a church asked me what my number one advice for a church planter was. Now, it's not as if I had so much wisdom after only having been a year into the process, and I'm sure he could have found many wiser, more experienced people than me to ask that question to. But I'm sticking by my response, even though that was a few years ago. And my response was, Read your Bible and pray every single day. If you want to plan a church, brother, you're going to need to continually feed your own soul. The work of church planting will be hard. It will be difficult. It will be draining. And if you don't revive your soul with the Bible every day, you'll find yourself in big trouble real fast. And that's not just true for church planters. I'd say that's true for any Christian that is seeking to serve the Lord. So, well, let's just whittle that down to any Christian. Because if you are a Christian, you should be seeking to serve the Lord and the importance of his words and having them revive your heart is something that we will see in our passage today in Luke 10. And we'll start at the end and then go back to the beginning and work from there. But the end uh, shares the familiar story of Martha and Mary in verses 38 through 42. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So here, uh, Jesus uh, gently rebukes Martha, but then he praises the actions of Mary and notice the, the words, but one thing is necessary, right, right? There's one thing that's absolutely essential and Mary has chosen it basically, the good portion. And what was she doing? She was listening to the teaching of Jesus, And that will never be taken away from her. So let that be a word to all of us. We need to choose the good portion. We need the one necessary thing. We need the teaching of Jesus Christ. And where are we going to find that? We're going to find that in the Bible, which I think is called in Colossians 3.16, the word of Christ. This is what we need. That's why we're doing this podcast. And that's why I hope you're reading the Bible, meditating on the Bible, memorizing the Bible, because this is the one thing that's necessary. This is our food, so to speak, as 
a Christian. We should long for the word like babies long for their mother's milk. We should have this desire. And we should also get the promise there, which will not be taken away from her. Even in ministry, some of the things you might think of as ministry successes, they can be taken away from you, right? You can lead someone to Christ and rejoice in that and say, wow, look at this. And that person can walk away from the Lord. Uh, And there's all kinds of ways that ministry uh, can disappoint, or even your efforts in ministry uh, can seem to not be as effective as you would like. But the word, the teaching of Jesus, it will not be taken away. So don't be distracted with so much activity, so much so that you forget to sit at the feet of Jesus, to read your Bible, to pray. These are important things. And they were important in that time. They're for sure important in this time, in an age of distraction, where there is so much to do. There are so many things crying out for our attention. Only one thing is necessary. Choose that one thing. Fight against the distractions to choose that one thing and learn that lesson from Mary and Martha. Now, there's one thing we need to um, avoid, and, and the rest of the chapter, I think, is what really makes this clear. We, we need to make sure that you don't think, man, yeah, I, I don't need to, I shouldn't serve. I need to just sit at Jesus' feet. That's not what the passage says. Uh, in fact, the rest of the passage gives us the strong impression that we, we best be busy serving King Jesus. But if that serving merely becomes a distraction, well, then it is a problem. But if we are not serving, well, then we're not listening to the, we're not listening to the teaching of Jesus. Because if you are listening to the teaching of Jesus, you'll understand he teaches us to get busy. And that's what we see uh, so much in the rest of the chapter. I mean, just starting at the beginning, he appoints 72. So we recently saw at the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. Now he is sending out uh, 72 others um, as well and sends them out two by two. And he starts in verse 2 by saying, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Um, And so, as we look at this section, along with the others, some of it seems to be specifically geared to this group at this time. And one way we can know that is some of the things even that are said are are contradicted in other places in scripture. Um, so, or even in the teaching of Jesus as, as later he teaches his disciples what ministry will look like beyond his death. And he is not saying carry no money bag or no knapsack or, or things like that. But some of the things here that they do seem to be things that are true, not just to who he's sending, but to all believers uh, of all time. And that's where I would say, Hey, this idea of the harvest being plentiful, but the laborers are few, that is just, that's all, that's that's an always true thing. That's not just a then thing. That is an always thing. So then uh, I guess you could say an always now, an imperative that is true for you and always true for Christians is pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Um 
And that's something you should be praying for. And obviously, this is a prayer request that, you know, you should obey. You should be a laborer in the harvest. You should be seeking to win souls. You should be seeking to make disciples. But you should, as you engage in that work, realize, man, there is more than I could possibly ever do. I need to pray earnestly for more laborers. And so we see that there at the beginning. Um, And then also what we see kind of throughout a lot of these first several sections that this message they're commissioned to give is one of authority. Because in verse 13 through 15, Jesus rebukes the cities who have heard the message, but ignored it uh, to to Chorazin and to Capernaum. And then in verse 16, he says, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Well, I'd say this would be still true. If you are delivering the message of the gospel of the kingdom, well, if someone rejects you, they're rejecting God. Um, that, That message is authoritative. And then even when they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I think the idea there is Jesus is saying, um, I saw their commander of the demons. He's been cast out of heaven. So it's no wonder that you are having authority over his, uh, his demons here on earth. Uh, really, it's an issue of authority there. And if we are doing real gospel ministry, we can do it with the authority of God. And so that's where a now application of this would, hey, we need to bring the authoritative message. We need to bring the authoritative message of the gospel and not be afraid of the world around us. We should be shrewd. We should realize we're being sent out as lambs into the midst of wolves, but we should bring the authoritative message. And another thing we need to remember in the midst of ministry, there can be highs and there can be lows in ministry, but there's one thing that should transcend them all, and that is really rejoicing in our position. And you see two statements that Jesus makes that should help us think that way. In verse 20, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's greater than being used by God in ministry for them to to cast out demons is having your name written in heaven. Or later in verse 23, he, he says privately to the disciples, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And there I think we should enjoy the privilege we have even as new covenant Christians to see what we have seen, to hold the Bible in our hands. This is a privilege that many other uh, believers throughout history have not had. So there's some rejoicing and some gratitude that should come in our response to this reading today as we consider where we are. Now, finally, the last part we haven't discussed yet is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, you are no doubt familiar with this story, one of the most famous of Jesus's parables. Um, But one thing to note, just as you're looking at how this question is asked, it says a lawyer comes to put him to the test. Uh, and he gives a good answer in that when um, 
Jesus asks him what's written in the law, he nails what Jesus even says are the greatest commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Um, but then look, there's a, there's a sinister phrase in verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Right there in that verse, while they, though it may not be the point of the whole story, it shows us just the inherent flaw and the impossibility of self-justification. There is no way for us to justify ourselves. And even if you understand that what is required of us is to love the Lord our God with everything we've got and to love our neighbor as ourselves, we will realize, I have failed that and I need a savior. I need forgiveness. But this guy, he seeks to justify himself. And here's the thing. If you seek to justify yourself, you will inevitably lower the standard. And that's what this guy's trying to do. And that's what the Pharisees tried to do. They tried to reduce loving God with all of their heart, all of their soul to a bunch of commandments on the outside that they could keep. And here he wants to define neighbor as someone that he feels, okay, I can love that person where Jesus is going to say, well, how about the Samaritan? Um, who's the real neighbor here? And he's exposing this man and his failure really to love his neighbor and saying, hey, you need to go and do likewise. So note there from that part, just the total failure and impossibility of self-justification. And that's just one of the many important things that we will learn if we diligently take time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. No No matter what you're doing in the Christian life, whether you're planting a church whether you're raising a family, whether you're seeking to be obedient today and then be a faithful witness at your workplace, read your Bible and pray every single day. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.